Now, Exodus chapter 17, we've been preaching our way through, and uh, I've been enjoying it. I don't know about you, but I have. And this morning, I want to talk about uh, heavy hands. And yes, I am going to talk about the pastor a little bit. And Moses is this pastor. He's a prophet. You say, I don't think he was a pastor. Well, then read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and you tell me when you walk away from reading that, if God didn't liken him to a pastor uh, and the children of Israel to that church in the wilderness, he actually used that. And a church should have a pastor over it. Uh, and so we're going to see some things here. Uh, if, if for you, if you're taking notes now, I, got, I put up their heavy hands, and that can apply to anybody uh, in the ministry. You're just going to get heavy. You're going to get weary. But a, a pastor, helping your weary pastor. Uh, uh, so uh, that was kind of what God gave me this week. I couldn't get away from it. I wanted to preach on the rock because this chapter introduces you where Moses strikes the rock. And rock is Christ. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I want to do that. I want to preach on Jesus and how Jesus is a rock. Amen. And the Lord said, that's not it. Because that rock shows up again and Moses hits it twice. He strikes it again and God gets on him. And we'll talk about that. And we'll preach on this rock later. I mean, uh, Moses goes out and he gets angry. Pastor gets angry. And he goes out there and he, he smites that rock. Ye rebels, here, I'll give you something to drink. And he smites that rock. And the Bible says that rock was Christ. And Christ only died once. And Moses broke a very important type in the Word of God. And the Lord took it up with him. He said, because of this, I'm not letting you go into the promised land. Wow. Well, Moses, God talked to Moses face to face. I know that. But actions have consequences. And then I thought, well, <laughs> what shows up first is that murmuring and complaining again. Now, we've already had two sermons on murmuring and complaining. And I'm like, well, we, we don't need a third one, I don't think. Now, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But then we're going to move on from that. And we're going to get into, there's three characters that show up. Joshua. We know about Aaron and her and their importance in their ministry on helping Moses through this time. Now let's read, begin reading in verse 1. And he says, now I underlined it in my Bible. I highlighted it. All <laughs> the congregation. You, you catch that? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Maybe the Lord just ringing my bell. But uh, uh, one of the things here, in, in, and I guess that's in reference to what I was talking about. It bothers me when I can't get all the congregation assembled at the same time. We actually have about 50-some people, 51, 52 people, if I get everybody here at the same time on the same day. Do you understand that? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a lot of people considering to about four years ago, there was about seven, 18, maybe, maybe 16 of us. It's growing. But I find it amazing you can't get everybody at the same time. Now, we got people that are sick. Now, I got that. We're not talking about being providentially hindered. Uh, but we're just talking about that. I'd just rather sit on the couch and just take it easy today. Well, there's a little something in this message for you. You want to do that talking about those that want to lag behind it's not good all the congregation you got that free too 
All the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin uh, after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses. And he said, uh, And give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast done or brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our chillins? <laughs> That's southern for children. And our cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. They're going to kill him. They're blaming him for this. He says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You're not going to see the rock unless God points it out for you. I mean, this. I, I wanted to preach on that rock. I wanted to get that. And he says, I'll stand before you, Moses. I'll show you which rock. Amen. You're not ever going to get saved unless the Holy Spirit of God points you to Jesus Christ. Boy, I wanted to preach that bad. <laughs> he says, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Mesa and Meribah. And why did he do it? Because of the chiding of the children of Israel. And because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is God in us? Is God going to supply for us or not? Then came Amalek. Uh-oh. That's right. You get to complaining on God and murmuring and complaining. You're going to open a door. You're going to allow access to an enemy to come in. And look what happens. And Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Here's my text, verses 11 and 12. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he had let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they, that's Aaron and Hur, took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. Lord, help us today. We're a needy people. Lord, help us to understand, yeah, we're saved, we're born again, but we need each other. Uh, this is the body of Christ, and, uh, and we, we need to be here. And we, uh, we, we need to uh, fellowship, and we, we need to uh, serve one another in ministry. Now, if there be folks that are lost, and Lord, uh, uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them, and that they will see their need, uh, point them to the rock, which is Christ. Lord, let them accept you today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, it is true that Moses, his hands grew weary. And I will tell you that pastors, they'll go grow weary 
are weary in the ministry. These last three years uh, have been some of the hardest that pastors have said it's been to try to even pastor a church. Uh, and there's a growing movement now that a lot of churches, because of what has happened in the last three years, they've had to merge churches together, and that's really disrupted a lot of things. But there, let me give you some statistics. 90% percent of pastors have been betrayed or falsely accused or hurt by trusted friends. 70% of pastors de battle depression. I, I, I'm not a depressive type person. Uh, I, I, I've never been depressed or down more than, I, I've never even went two weeks, maybe three days, two days, three days, you know, uh, or until Jenny makes homemade biscuits, you know, and I, I'm good. I'm good to go. I respond well to food. And he said, well, then you don't deal with depression. Well, there are some days uh, after a Sunday, uh, especially when I can't get all the congregation together, I'll have what they call a blue Monday. A blue Monday. And then Jen, uh, that's when she shines because she's got to try to encourage me and try to keep me together, which generally starts with a good breakfast. And then we begin to talk about lunch. Uh, and that might be why I'm the way I am and look the way I am because I have a lot of blue Mondays. <laughs> Not really, but uh, don't tell Jen that, okay? <laughs> that'll, that'll hurt my biscuits and gravies and anything else she uh, uh, fix uh, for me. But 70 percent of pastors deal with depression. 7,000 churches close each year. Now, I'm reading to you maybe 2015, 2016 statistics. It's more than this now. 1,500 pastors quit each month. 10 percent will retire a pastor. 80 percent of, of pastors feel discouraged. 94% of pastors' families feel the pressure of ministry. Yeah, amen. 78% of pastors have no close friends. Yeah. 90% of pastors report working 55 to 75 hours per week. 17 or chapter 17 deals with a weary man of God, a weary pastor. Now, you as a church member, I've been a church member and been in a pew, it's hard to, uh, to think about maybe the pastor getting discouraged. It's hard to think about maybe the pastor becomes weary. Uh, you just don't think about that because the pastor is the person that you go to to help encourage you. And that's right. God has uh, 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 set it up that way, and, and it's an important way. And a pastor should be able to help and to counsel and to give you godly guidance. But there are a few things that does wear a pastor out quicker uh, than other things. And I believe that this text bears that out. And I'm not talking about, oh, oh, you can't bring the pastor your troubles. No, dealing with troubles is really not what wears a pastor out. Uh, I say, I need some counseling. I need some help in my marriage. I need some help in my life. I need some scripture to help me make the right decisions. That's not wears, uh, what wears a pastor out. 
Now you can get physically tired, but that's not what wears him out. What wears him out is when everybody cannot get here at the same time and work together as a group. Uh, here, this people, they begin to get strung out. According to Deuteronomy chapter 25, if you used to go over there, we won't this morning, and read that. Actually, I got it written down. I'll tell you what the, the Bible says. Deuteronomy 25, 17. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when ye were come forth out of Egypt, how ye met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee when thou wast faint and weary, he heard and he feared not God. And so as a pastor, when you see that you got some people that are going to lag behind, they're not going to follow, and they're not going to walk in step with the rest of the congregation. The pastor knows, like Moses knows, because they're strung out, and there's a weakness in behind uh, that the enemy, Amalekites, uh, the devil, the type of the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And there's one thing I know about lions. They like attack from the rear and so that wears a pastor out because he knows uh, when you start laying out he knows when you start refusing to grow with the rest of the folks and to get in and to get that encouragement and to get that edification that the devil is watching that thing and as the flock gets strung out and it's spread out and it won't come in together and they've forsaken that assembly, you are vulnerable for attack from Satan. He said, well, I'm pretty good by myself. Yeah, <laughs> you need to watch lions then you need to watch one of those nature shows about lions they pride themselves in singling out the weak and those that want to fall behind from the rest of the flock there's a protection in the group and god likens us to sheep and i got news for you lions and tigers and 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 cougars love sheep they taste good lamb chops and they'll Attack the weak ones, the feeble ones, and those that are refusing to walk and to move with the main group. That wears a pastor out. Because you know, because you've seen it happen before, uh, it starts. I, I've seen it my whole life. People begin, well, they just miss one service. And then the next thing you know, they miss two services. And then this, I'm telling, this is over a course of six months or a year or a year and a half. And the next thing you know, they're just missing all the services. I would love you, preacher. What we're there for you, preacher. Now I know what's going to happen. And it happens. It wears the man of God out. Something else that wears the man of God out is the chiding. That's that murmuring. Blaming the preacher. Well, preacher, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. You know, since I've been in church and since I've been trying to do right, things in my life have gotten worse. Yeah, I told you it was going to get worse before it got better. I mean, if you think that once you got saved, it was just going to be easy peasy uh, and it was going to be a bed of roses and, and just peaches and cream, uh, you've been listening to the wrong kind of preacher. Those kind of preachers also say, and that lesson will cost you $25.95. Just mail it in. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> and they're going to 
sway the minds of people with fair speeches. I got news for you. You get saved, uh, it'll be, you're going to be enter in some of the worst battles of your life, mentally, physically, because the devil, he doesn't like God's children. And if you've not got it figured out yet, you got the devil's children who the devil takes care of. And then you got God's children and the devil wants to get rid of God's children. And it's going to get so bad that God's going to call us out of here pretty soon. And then the devil's just going to take right on over. But chiding and complaining, and you know me, you've been around me long enough. It's not that we can't say uh, something or complain, but you know me. If you're going to make a complaint, you better offer a solution with it also and be prepared to execute it. Like, whoa, yeah, I told you I closed the complaint department down. If you see the need, you take the lead. Uh, uh, I spent the first 18 months uh, pastoring, listening to a bunch of complaints at people that didn't care to be part of a solution. They just wanted to be part of a problem. And I got news for you. That'll wear a preacher out. <laughs> you say, man, preacher, what's going on? Nothing. I just, God's death. God, <laughs> there's nothing going on. Good group of people. But sometimes you got to preach these things because that's what's next in the passage. That's what God shined the light on, and it's to keep us from being like this. <laughs> Chiding and complaining and threatening, uh, murmuring, mad about not having no water. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> a few times in my life when I've lost my cool, it's been when we run out of water. <laughs> there ain't no mad like that kind of mad. Water is important. You've got to have it. And if you live in the country and on a well, it never failed every Wednesday night. <laughs> Honey, we're out of water. And in my mind, that triggers something in my mind. I can see her or Nathan, because they were little, outside with the garden hose just spraying the water all over the house, all over the car. And, oh, life is good. Jen's done 10 loads of laundry for the day. When I've told her, the well that we're on can only support one or two loads a day. Don't do no more of that. And so in my mind, I see this. And I come unglued. Now, how are we going to get this water and get to church too? And boy, I'd get mad. Just like these people. <laughs> so I can relate. <laughs> you want to see, see my countenance change real good? <laughs> you, you, you let me walk into this church one day and say, Preacher, I think we're out of water. Something's wrong with the water in the church. <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> oh, the light bulbs are blown. We can handle that. <laughs> The wall fell down. We got that. You know, <laughs> the concrete crack. We got that. We need to caulk the outside. We got that. We need to paint the activity building. We can do that. I think a water pipe broke. We're out of water. Uh-uh. <laughs> don't tell me. Just take care of it. <laughs> don't, don't even include me in that. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I, I think I've grown a little bit spiritually. <laughs> I think I have. I don't know. We'll have to try that out sometime. <laughs> Preacher, you need to come and help me. I'm out of water. <laughs> but it led to chiding. And it's that chiding. It's that murmuring. It's that constant complaining 
that wears a preacher out. Some even threaten to kill the preacher. I, I've, I've heard that. Uh, 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 that. That's, I'm sure, some folks, uh, years gone by, probably threatened to kill me under the breath. Uh, and that's okay. Let that, we'll preach on that message, touch not God's anointing, but not today. And then, watching the devil devour as a roaring lion your people because they won't pay attention. They become complacent. Because they don't care. They're apathetic. I got news for you. Now, I have sensed some uh, apathy about uh, encouraging these young children. We've started God's allowed us to grow. And I got news for you. God is preparing us for growth. And that's why the message. Because I'm going to get to it. Because I'm going to need a Joshua. I'm going to need an Aaron, and I'm going to need a her. Amen. And as we grow, I'm already trying to put the pieces together and get us prepared for church growth. Now, don't, don't, don't go off the deep end like, oh, I don't want a mega church. We're not ever going to have a mega church. We're not ever going to run a big monster crowd, but God's going to allow us to grow like He has slowly, a family at a time, and they're just going to come and they're going to want to stay and they're going to be part of the old-fashioned preaching and teaching of the Word of God with compassion and the family atmosphere. Closeness. And I'm trying to get us set up and lead us in the direction God would have us so we don't ever lose that family atmosphere. That we don't ever lose time to allow the little children to sing specials and to be involved in the service. And that we don't ever lose the importance of getting children to Sunday school class. But that's going to take your involvement and participation. Because I know what's coming for your kids. And as I was telling Brother John this morning, our children today are facing and having to deal with things that are a whole lot worse than what we ever dealt with. The worst we dealt with growing up was, was uh, pot <laughs> and not much else. Because we didn't have social media in our days. But today, it's right there in their hands. And the devil is, is teaching them every day because the eye is the light of the body. And what someone takes in their eye is going to affect the soul. And they're going to need an antidote. They're going to need Christ. And they're going to need Him sooner rather than later. They need a vaccination of the Holy Spirit of God. And they can only get that if you bring them and get them involved in Sunday school class in church. And yes, it is that important. Apathy. Well, it's okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. And then, when you do that, you're giving the devil a place to attack your family. And they're not prepared. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. And a lot of times what goes on in the adult's life, if you're living in rebellion, you're living in sin, I ain't so worried about you, I'm worried about your kids. And what door you've opened up on a spiritual level that's going to allow the devil to have free reign on them. 
That part was for y'all. <laughs> and we need it. So how do we help this pastor? How did Moses get some help? And this is setting us up for chapter 18 because Moses begins to elect and appoint leaders to help him manage. Could you imagine trying to pastor a million and a half people? No, I can't. They don't make enough medicine for that. And you imagine... The lowest number I get is a million at. There was 600,000 footmen. They counted the ages from 20 to 60. That's just the footmen. Now you've got to add wives, women, and children. 600 men, 600,000 men, 600,000 women, 600,000 children. That's a low estimate. As an estimator, I would never, I'd never run with that and give you a price based on that. Like, yeah, we're going to feed a million and a half people. Mm, nah, you better shoot for about two, point, uh, uh, two and a quarter. <laughs> the manna that fell in the wilderness was not a light miracle. You're trying to feed a million and a half to two million people every day. And each man uh, ate for a day, what he said, a homer, which is about a quart. That's a lot of bread falling from heaven, angel's food. So how do we help the pastor? Well, let's look at it here in verse, verse 10, verse 9. Now watch this. And Moses said unto Joshua... Choose us out men. You see that? Oh, great. I'm just waiting on your call, preacher. They didn't have telephone back in this day. <laughs> they didn't have social media. They didn't have whatever, reach out and touch someone, you know. You say, what are you trying to say? <laughs> You're going to have to be present. <laughs> Joshua was present uh, uh, with, their, with Moses. You know, he didn't have to say, oh, you know, hey, hey, where's Joshua? Uh, where's he been at? You know, we need to get him in here. The Bible says that a man that's going to handle the mysteries of God must first find himself faithful. Joshua was a faithful servant. You got to be faithful. And then the Bible commands the pastor in 2 Timothy 2 2 to commit to faithful men. That's why Moses picked Joshua. He was faithful. Not only was Joshua faithful, means he was always there, he could be counted on. He was available. That's why he picked Joshua. He was available. Uh, he, he, he said, now Joshua, and then he empowers him. He gives him some authority. He says, now you go out and choose some men. He didn't choose everybody. Well, no, there was a lot of that crowd that was ready to stone Moses. They wasn't going to listen to anything Moses had to say. But that wasn't everybody. You see, we'll get to keep preaching through here. There's a mixed multitude that shows up. And they were, they were not Jews. They were from different nations. And some of them were actually Egyptians uh, who had spent their life and their, their parents' life and the parents before them's life worshiping idols. And, and boy, they just went along because 
They was a part of a winning team when God brought Israel up out of Egypt. And you'll get some people like that. They don't want to be fooled with. They don't want to be discipled. They don't want to get along with the program. They just want to go along because they like the manna. And they were always given Israel fits. But not all of them. He says, choose you out some men, some faithful men, men you can count on. They're available, but get this. Now they were teachable. Look at this. He says, choose us out men. Moses has given him the battle plan. Moses has given him what God has given him. And Joshua, not only is he faithful and available, he's teachable. He says, now choose us out, men, and go out and fight with Amalek. You're going to be doing this over here. And then he says, now tomorrow I'll stand. Now we got teamwork going on. Joshua was a teachable servant, a teachable man. And he said, I'm going to go to the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So what did Joshua do? So Joshua did. He captured that vision that was laid out by the prophets. He didn't question it. He didn't say, well, you know, I just don't think we, need, we probably need, you know. Joshua wasn't woke. Okay. Probably need to throw that in there a little bit. Blend that up a little bit. He chose out some men. Okay? Men. Men do the fighting. Men do the protecting. That's the way the Bible's laid it out. Men do the providing. Yeah. Ladies, I don't think the feminist movement's helped you out much. Feminist movement says you don't need a man. And that you can make your own way. And you can pay your own bills. And Okay, great. Got it. You know what? There's just enough men out there to say, you know what? I kind of like this feminist movement because <laughs> I'm not going to get a job. I ain't going to work and I'm going to lay around on your couch all day long eating uh, what you're having to try to bring down. Go get them, girl. You go, girl. I got a message on that out of Jonah chapter one it says throw Jonah out of the boat. Jonah's laying down there taking it easy. Uh, he's as a stowaway. He's not part of the workers on the ship. And he's just taking it easy, laying up on the couch. There's a storm raging outside. He don't care. He ain't driving the boat. He's having easy life. I'm liking this feminist movement. Hey, I got news for you, ladies. It's not done you no favors. I'm not saying you can't work and make a living and, 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 and have, have, have your own money, but your husband ought to be able to provide for you too. I mean, when Jen and I were talking about it, I said, would you ever went out with me if you had to come and pick me up for a date? <laughs> Jen's got more on the ball than that. Absolutely not. There was two things my daddy instilled in my in my head. He might have done a lot of things wrong, but these two things he done right. He's going to have to have a job and be able to support himself and a family, and he better have a car. Amen. Ladies, let me let you in on tidbit. If you got to go pick him up because he don't have a car, because he's going to drive, he don't have a job, you need to put him on a back burner. I'm serious. Because it ain't going to get no better. 
He needs to show you some stability. Feminist movements. And, and so what's happened is the devil got into that thing and said, that's right, you go, girl. I got two ex-brother-in-laws that did just that. I don't mind saying it. I hope they do hear it. They were all in on the feminist movement to my sister. Oh, yeah, you go, girl. I think a woman ought to be able to do her own thing, make her own money and all. And so they moved in. They got married against good advice. And what happened? 18 years of misery. That's how that ends. And I hate it. Men. He chose out men. I'm happy if a woman can work. Jen works. I'm not against working. She said, well, I wanted to go get, I need to get my nails done. I pay for it. No, I said, I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it. You ain't paying for it. Your money's your money. I'm to provide. You take it out of my account. Well, we might be running low. Then you take it out of the savings. I'm paying for it. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Men. Amen. That's your queen. God, give her to you to take care of, to cherish, and to nourish, and to love like you would love yourself. That's not in the message. You got that free probably from the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody need to hear that. Men. Pastor's going to need some men that can think, that can take a stand, that'll stand and have some convictions in their life. Let's move on. So Joshua was faithful. Well, the preacher never calls me to do anything. Then get here. <laughs> Show up. <laughs> well, I think I could do that better. You got to get here first. I've lived long enough to know talk is cheap. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, right. I'm just being a little man ornery today. <laughs> it's a little bit. I told you, not having to teach Sunday school class, I'm a little ornery. <laughs> I think I can go a round or two in the ring. <laughs> I've had my Tylenol this morning. My knee's feeling pretty good. Men! <laughs> Some men. <laughs> so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. Yeah, amen. Somebody's got to engage the enemy working as a team, but look what the pastor did and a couple other men. So when it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, and by the way, that holding up the hand, what does the Bible say? 1 Timothy 2.8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands with, without wrath and doubting. There's a verse over there in Psalms that talks about praying the God with your hands lifted up. Those holy hands. You say, what was Moses doing? Moses had the rod of God. He was holding it up and he was praying. There's a spiritual battle also. There's a physical, but then there's a spiritual. You better hope to God your pastor doesn't stop praying for you. I pray for each and every one of you every day. I pray that God bless you, that God keep you, that God increase you and keep us together. And I name you individually. And I hold you up to God in prayer. And that's biblical because the Bible says you, uh, over there in Hebrews that the man of God watches for your souls. That's what Moses is doing here. 
Now, now let's break this down about Aaron and her. They noticed that when Israel prevailed, when Moses held those hands up in prayer, but then when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Yeah, you need a pastor, and you better hope to God that he is praying. And maybe sometimes you might need to call and ask, Hey, preacher, you sure you're praying? Because Amalek's about to get the best of me. I think Brother Terry asked me once, Preacher, you ain't been praying God kill me, have you? No, I have not. I pray that God bless you, that God add to you and keep you safe and give you good health and to bless you for taking a stand with your pastor all these years. That's what I pray for you. <laughs> and, and, and some of the other ones also. Because you've stood and you come and if you get a whiff that we're doing something down here, you show up. And you're here to paint. Some of you, I, 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 I'm not going to name names because I'll leave somebody out and then, then we'll be complaining and chided with me over that. So let me say it like this. Some of you heard we were painting that uh, uh, kitchen out there. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, here you were in work clothes. Says, where you want us to start, preacher? We had an oven that was going down one time. Uh, so I'm going to call one of my men. <laughs> the man said, look, I was getting ready to call you. Can you be down there at such, such time? They're going to deliver an oven. I've already got it called and got her set it in. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'd rather have to rein you back in than to kick you across the line. That's what I'm saying. Men. Now watch this. Verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy. Sometimes a pastor will get heavy hands. Now, like I said, I was real clear. It doesn't wear a pastor out to help try to counsel you and to help you with your problems. Even if you've caused them yourself, I'm still going to pray for you. I'm still going to give you godly advice. That doesn't wear the pastor out. Oh, I thought that, well, I just didn't want to lay that on you, Pastor. That doesn't wear the pastor out. It's the apathy, the complacency, the isolationists, the chiding, the complaining. That wears the pastor out. Well, we don't have a lot of that. It's probably why I got a lot of liberty, because you all sitting there like, yeah, we don't complain. You all don't. <laughs> probably because I've closed the complaint department. And if you do have a suggestion or you think something needs to be done, you're always first in line to get it done. I like that. That's good. Now let's get to Aaron and her because a pastor needs an Aaron and a her. He needs a Joshua. That's the go-getter. He's going to confront the thing on a physical level. But did you note in your text that it was Moses that got weary, not Joshua? I will tell you, I've been on both sides of that spectrum. And by far, when you go to God in prayer and study and give yourself to the Word of God in prayer, it is, it'll wear you out. You'll get dehydrated. You know that 70% of the water that your body uses is in the brain. That's why when you spend about four hours studying or, 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 or looking over something, you, you're just, you're wore out. He says that it was Moses that got weary. Well, all he was doing was just standing there. Yeah, but he was praying and 
holding the rod of God up. Have you ever tried to pray lifting your hands up? I can't go real long, so I got to pray fast. Okay, Lord, help me. Help me. <laughs> Hopefully my hands didn't go down when I was praying for you and you've had a bad week. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> Preacher, start with me next time. Okay. Now look what happens. Aaron and her, when they seen that his hands were heavy, he got weary. They took a stone and put it under him. You have two men here that were close to Moses. And they were close enough that they could discern Moses. And you do need to be able to discern your pastor. I don't have anything to hide. You, you can read me. I read you. I read you. You can read me. You need to read me, discern me. You need to be watching out for me. Say, hey, I think the pastor's a little wearier. The pastor might need a little help. I'm just like you. I might not ask for help. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been, I never got on the other side of the ditch on that thing. You can ask my mom and dad. I was born to be a boss. <laughs> I'm like my mom. Mom can tell you what to do in a, in a, in a heartbeat. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, do that, do that, do that. No, but in all of us, we want to do things ourselves and we could get wore out. You need to learn how to discern your pastor. I'm not weary. Uh, I, I'm not saying I'm weary. I'm not trying to send something subliminal to you. I'm not. Why? Because <laughs> I'm careful about getting overworked because I'm in it for the long haul. And so you'll see me uh, step aside for a week or two and I'll, I'll take some time apart so I don't fall apart. But as we go forward and the church grows, and it won't be just one hospital visit a week or two, it could be four or five or six, you'll have to keep an eye on me. And I'm going to need an Aaron, and I'm going to need a her, and I'm going to need a Joshua. And sometimes that means you're going to have to be right up against the pastor, and you're going to see that he's going to need to be able to sit down for a little while and take a break while he's still holding his hands up in prayer to God. This is what Aaron and her did. They were able to discern the fatigue and Moses and when they got physically tired they got him a chair so these three men were able to help a weary prophet they're important and every church needs a Joshua you need an Aaron and you need a her and you need Men, too, now, say, well, I don't want to be a Joshua. It's okay. You still need to be part of the men that get chosen to be physically active in the service of God. Let me tell you what Aaron and Hur did for Moses. They brought stability to Moses. They brought strength to Moses. And they brought stability to Moses. There's no better feeling in all the world when a pastor has to deal with something 
and I, I know this by experience. I've been on both sides. I've, I've tried to be an Aaron and a her, and now I'm in the position of pastor that when you've got to deal with something, whether it's doctrinal or a trouble, there's no better feeling in the whole world when you've got two or three men that stand up and says, whatever you think we need to do, pastor, let's get her done. And I'll tell you what that does. That brings that stability. That brings that strength that we're operating as a body, as a team. And then that brings that stability. How to help a weary preacher. How about it? You want to be an Aaron? You want to be a her? I think I got an Aaron. I think I got an Aaron. I'll say one thing for Brother Will. If I have him fill in the pulpit, if he has to crawl in here to get that done, he'll do it. He'll do it. There's been more than once he says, whatever you think, whatever you think, whatever you want to do, I'm going to support it. I'm going to back it. Yeah, amen. So I need a her and I need a Joshua. See, our church is going to grow. And we're going to need Aaron's and hers and Joshua's. We'll need some Miriam's too. You see, the foot can't say to the hand, I have no need of thee. But you also need to be on guard and not be lagging behind. Because that's where the devil's going to attack. He always attacks the weakest spots first. Those that lag behind. Those that like, I just don't want to be part of that program. You're opening a door for the devil. You're giving place for an attack. And it will devour you. So stay together as a group. And strive to be a Joshua, an Aaron, and a Hur. Because churches need those kind of men. Let's all stand this morning.